2: Spirit of Recovery, the place where Spirituality and Recovery Meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. I, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and thank you all for being with us today. We're glad that you're listening, and we uh, are so glad that you're participating here with us at Spirit of Recovery. We uh, love it when you visit us on Facebook and post on our wall, and we really appreciate Thank you for letting us know that you're listening, and thank you for letting us know that what we're doing here is touching your heart and is making a difference for you in your recovery. We're glad, too, that you're letting your friends and the people that are in your recovery community and your Unity community um, know about Spirit of Recovery. I am very grateful to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery here on Unity Online Radio, unity.fm. And it's great uh, to know that what we're doing is making a difference for you. We want you to know that you can now access unity.fm on your mobile listening device. That also, of course, we have great archives of our programs. We've got over a year's worth of archives now, and you can find us on unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery, and you can hear the great guests we've had over the year and uh, just get a lot from what they've had to share with us. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable and innovative. We have people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And a lot of times all the above. We're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. The spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, and we know that a recovery is a large tent. And so, if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or a friend of somebody that has the disease of addiction, whether or not they're in recovery, or if you're just curious and simply looking for more information about the process of recovery, know that we welcome you here and that we welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister. I'm a recovery counselor. And I'm also a person who has, in my circle of love and friendship, many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery. And um, ever since then, my walk has been an integration of unity principles and the 12-step recovery principles. And that keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing, and uh, keeps deepening my world. So again, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity here to broadcast on Unity FM and to bring you the spirit of recovery. Today we've got a really special treat. It's Valentine's Day, and it's also uh, a day that we're going to be sending a valentine to children. And our topic today is For the Love of Children, Celebrating Children of Alcoholics Week, because February the 12th through the 18th of 2012, is this year's Children of Alcoholics Week. And I've got a very special guest with me today, and that's Jerry Moe. Jerry has been working with children in their recovery process, and by that I mean children who have grown up with the disease of addiction. And he's been doing that work since 1977. And he is currently the Vice President and National Director of the Children's Programs at the Betty Ford Center in California, He's an internationally active trainer, author, and lecturer. Jerry has won numerous awards for the work that he has done for significantly improving the lives of the children of alcoholics in the United States and around the world. He was, I believe, a founding member of NACOA, which is the National Organization for Children of Alcoholics, and continues to be on their advisory board NACOA is the group that sponsors Children of Alcoholics Week every year. Jerry's written uh, numerous books. His latest book is Understanding Addiction and Recovery Through a Child's Eyes, Hope, Help, and Healing for Families of Alcoholics. And most of all, Jerry understands kids. He understands how important it is for them to have fun, for them to be in safe, respectful environments. And he has dedicated his life to making sure that children get that. So Jerry, welcome. We're so glad to have you today. Thanks for being with us.
3: Anna, thanks for having me. Thanks for such a wonderful introduction.
0: Well, it's all true. It's all true, Jerry. <laughs> and uh, tell us a little bit uh, to start off with about Children of Alcoholics Week. I mean, and some people might think, why in the world are we celebrating such a thing? But it's important. So why would we do that?
3: Well, we're celebrating recovery and the hope of recovery for entire families, including children. Um, children of Alcoholics Week is always the week of Valentine's Day. It was 29 years ago today that the National Association for Children of Alcoholics was founded, you know, um, a not-for-profit membership organization that gives a voice to children who live in families where there's alcoholism and drug addiction, a voice when so many of these boys and girls tend to be silent and invisible and, and also creates a number of resources to help people in a position to empower these children, whether they're counselors or teachers or members of the faith community, coaches, what have you.
0: Great, right. Yeah, it's really important. That the NACOA website is www.nacoa.org, and... Uh, I'd invite our listeners to take a look. It's a nonprofit group, and they, as you said, have lots of great resources uh, for children and families. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful organization. So what are you doing this week to celebrate the recovery of children?
3: You know, working with children directly, which is always my love, uh, helping boys and girls understand about alcoholism and drug addiction. Uh, this so often, Anna, as you well know, is a disease that's shrouded in silence and secrecy. So helping boys and girls understand the true nature of addiction, helping them to separate the person they love, whether it's a mom or a dad or maybe an older brother or sister, how to separate that person from the disease that's consumed them. Helping children understand that it's not their fault and and that they're not alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, I know that you have been uh, an innovator, Jerry, and and prob- I'm guessing probably one of the first people because I know I was reading your books back in the '80s um, to get started with really working with young children on their recovery uh, from growing up in addiction. How uh, how has has the way that uh, children's issues or children growing up with addiction how's that changed over the years? And I know you have been part of that evolution. I think it's a lot better now than it probably was back in the '70s. Maybe it didn't even exist. I don't know. How's it changed?
3: Well, I, I think what we see today in, in in working with kids all those years is we see boys and girls who are not only dealing with you know family alcoholism and other drug addiction, but looking at all the things that that go along with it sometimes, so family violence or divorce and separation child maltreatment uh, poverty you know, so many other issues that go along with the alcoholism and drug addiction and yet even with all those challenges that so many boys and girls face so many boys and girls are facing right now um, the good news is that children can and do recover and even if their loved one continues on their path of drinking and using and their disease progresses children can um, learn the true facts, can develop a number of coping skills. We help them to develop their resilience. And they can go on and have happy and healthy lives. And that's the hope. And, and that's really what Children of Alcoholics Week is all about, celebrating that, that. For boys and girls, there are people and places who are safe that can make a difference in their lives.
0: Right. In your in the work that you've done, I know that you take what's called a strengths based approach. It's so easy you know when we think about children that are in families where addiction is active to almost write them off and think, "Well, you know there's no hope for them, and obviously there is, as you've just told us, but what does it mean to take a strengths based approach, and how do you how do you do that?
3: Well, yeah, often, Anna, when you hit the nail on the head, when we look at these boys and girls, and remember, they're very heterogeneous. All of them have a a really different response to what's going on in their families. But often, we clump all these boys and girls together, and we call them children at risk. And, And that's only half the story, because they're also children of promise. And so by taking a strength-based perspective, you know, it's an opportunity first to just develop a relationship with boys and girls and, and to let them be kids and to laugh and play and to have fun. But in the process of developing this oh, relationship, this therapeutic relationship, begin to see their strengths, begin to see the gifts that they have and helping them to build upon those whether it's creativity or athleticism or their their listening skills or their reading or whatever it is helping them to 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 realize and to own and to hone and deepen those skills very skills that will allow them to live in a hopefully a very happy and productive and healthy life and so instead of always focusing on what's wrong let's focus on what's right i mean i mean think about this anna that it's it's four o'clock um, where you are right now. So many boys and girls have spent all day at school, and they're back home. And when you're growing up in a family where there's addiction, just the fact that some of these kids make it to school on a daily basis is huge. I mean, we overlook that, but it's huge that despite all these obstacles in their life, you know, they're going to school and, and you know and doing fairly well and and connecting with other people. And so it's not just looking at what's wrong and what's missing, but really balancing it and looking at what's right. And how do we build upon that? How do we help boys and girls develop this resilience? How is it that the majority of these kids, while there's certainly emotional scarring and, and they're affected adversely by everything that goes on, but how is it that so many of them can grow up and, and And do well in life and and all the research on resilience points at least to one thing that they have in common and it's having the presence of caring nurturing adults in your life and because I often think that kids don't care about how much we know until they know about how much we care
0: right, what would you say you know through your years of working with kids' jury that what is it about having that caring adult what does it flip a switch and so to speak in a in a child, or why does that make, make so much difference that they've got somebody that cares about them?
3: well, I think just look at the nature of this disease, Anna that you know addiction takes people away, whether it's alcohol drugs, food sex gambling, what have you but addiction takes people away from the from from those they love. Um, what I've said for years to to people in treatment is you know the thing that I hate most about addiction is. It gets in the way of allowing us to consistently love the people who mean the most to us. That's the disease, and until someone explains that to children, children often think there's something wrong with them. That you know they must have done something to 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 create all of this. And so, helping them to understand uh, makes a huge difference uh, in the beginning. And and getting beyond the guilt and the shame that kids carry—they're convinced something's wrong with them. So all of a sudden, there's an adult who is taking an active interest in me, who is listening to what I have to say, who—that um, teacher who gives me a smile, the, the coach who gives me an extra high five, uh, the band teacher who has uh, extra um, uh, expectations, and telling me I'm capable, I'm competent, that I can get ready for this next song that we're going to play it's having those people who regularly spend time with us that give us the notion two things number one that I must be okay but secondly i think it teaches children that there are other adults or other grown-ups in the world that really care about me and i think also helping kids to see that that, that even the people in their family that have been touched by this disease they love them too except this disease keeps getting in the way of having it come across consistently.
0: Right. One of the things that I'm struck by, Jerry, in your work, and it certainly comes across in in your book, Understanding Addiction and Recovery Through a Child's Eyes, is how you do help children separate the disease from the person. And you have some unique ways of doing that. And I know sometimes people, maybe people that are recovering from alcoholism or other addictions, they're sort of scared to delve into this arena of, oh, my goodness, I, maybe my disease has harmed my children because, I don't know, maybe they're afraid the child will hate them or whatever. But you do a real good job of teasing those things apart. Tell us how you do that. You have some great techniques and, and just your how you approach it. How do you sure, and, and, and Anna,
3: right before I, I, I share a technique to do that, let me piggyback on what you were saying. You made a really important point in that uh, in, in any treatment center a, a, across the country right now, there, there are people in treatment and, and for their alcoholism and drug addiction, and today might be the day they really come to and, and, and they come to grips with the painful realization that this disease they never asked for has not only hurt them, but it's hurt everyone they love. I mean, who in the world would ever want to hurt people they love? No no one does. Uh, I don't believe. Um, but, but secondly, for a lot of these people in treatment, it goes even deeper, and they begin to remember what happened to them when they were children growing up in addicted families as well. And horror upon horror, you know, that you know. here I am a, a, as a parent maybe repeating the very thing that I detested so much as a kid. And that is a really tough place for people to go to. And so I think that we always try to create activities, Anna, where we show how the whole family gets captured. The whole family gets trapped by addiction. And we do an activity called the addiction game where one of the counselors actually role plays being the disease. I mean, we we dress differently, often with a shirt with the word addiction on it, and you know, and 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 boys and girls who want to can have a turn, and 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 everyone gets to begin to watch how the disease operates because it's interesting. While while children can never see the disease, while grown-ups can never see the disease, what we do see is how the disease makes people act, and so in personifying the d- disease and making it real for a minute, kids can see it. And have feelings toward it, react toward it, react toward it, want to say stuff to it, and so you know, here's the disease in this role play telling you, um, you know, I, I'm going to be your friend and I'll be there for you and 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 I'll listen to um, all your problems and I can take them away and I'll make you just feel good and forget about all that stuff. We call that the big lie. And it's interesting, Anna, that when we play the game, you know, here are a group of boys and girls and already you can see them getting angry, getting angry at the disease because finally they can see it and they're not confused that somehow it's in their parents. Because it doesn't make sense. It's the, the disease concept in many ways is very abstract. And so in the game, what happens is that children direct it and it can go in, oh, four or five different directions depending on where kids take it. And there's an important lesson But at one point, we'll demonstrate the game with the staff and and we'll show how a person gets trapped and how addiction kind of backs them up to the corner and uh, all of a sudden, addiction's in charge of their life. Hold that thought.
0: It's time for our break. But we're going to come back to this. Listeners, stay with us. We're going to be back and hear more about the addiction game and how it winds up and how it helps kids and families. Stay with us.
4: If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you.
2: Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word.
5: The present moment is the point of action in my life, my opportunity to create my bliss. There is no need to ruminate on the past or daydream about the future when I can do something constructive with the now. Taking advantage of the present moment is like waking up in the morning I'm no longer in a dreamlike state. Instead, I'm fully awake and aware of what is before me. Why postpone the life I desire? Right here and right now, I can begin creating it. That may mean making a business plan, enrolling in school, or moving a relationship to the next level. Whatever my dreams, I can advance them in the present moment. Guided and supported by God, I live my best life now.
2: Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word digital magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your host, Dale Worley, is alive with the Spirit of God each Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Glad that you're with us today, and if you're just joining us, our topic is really a valentine for children on this Valentine's Day. It's For the Love of Children, Celebrating Children of Alcoholics Week, which is February the 12th through the 18th, and is sponsored by Nicola, the National Organization for Children of Alcoholics, and I have as my guest today, Jerry Moe. Jerry is the director of the uh, children's programs at the Betty Ford Center. He's an internationally active trainer, author, and lecturer and an advisor, on the advisory board of NACOA. And Jerry has been active in working with children who are affected by family disease of addiction since 1977. And so we're just, uh, just overjoyed to have him with us today. But before Jerry and I begin our conversation again, I want you to share with me a brief meditation, a brief moment called the Serenity Minute. And our constructive idea today is taken from Jerry's book. These are some ideas, affirmations that he uses with children. So I invite you to relax and join with me in these constructive ideas. I deserve to take good care of myself. I deserve to take good care of myself. It's okay to ask for help. I don't have to do things alone. It's okay to ask for help. I don't have to do things alone.
6: Thank you for joining
0: me right here in the Serenity Minute. And uh, I trust that those ideas touched your heart and mind and opened up space for you in that conscious contact with your higher power. So now I'm back to my uh, topic, my conversation with my guest, Jerry Mo. And Jerry, before the uh, break there, we, you were telling us about the addiction game and about how you and uh, the other staff do a role play game with children and and uh, portray the inner role play, the disease of addiction, and how this helps children separate the disease from from the person, from their parent or or their loved one. So, how does uh, tell us a little more about how that works for children? That you say they get, they'll start to get angry at it. They'll start to uh, be able to have their genuine reactions and responses to the disease.
3: It's amazing to watch unfold, Anna. And and every group is different, and every response of individual members in the group is different. But but just generally speaking, the, it creates it just stirs up a lot of emotion and. And at one point, one of the staff members um, gets trapped. I mean, actually gets backed up against the wall, and there's addiction in front, and so all you can see is addiction, and they can't get out. The, the staff per- person is trapped, and, and, and what's amazing is is some of the kids want to get up. Some of the kids actually do get up and and run up and and, and try to um, get addiction out of the way, try to free. Um, the the person that got trapped. And and in doing that part of the activity, we teach boys and girls that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you can't make it okay for someone else, that you can't make them better. Um, And and so many boys and girls attempt to do so in a whole variety of ways. I'm saddened to say that so many people spend their entire lives trapped in those kind of behaviors. Well, we call it a family disease always trying to rescue and and focus on everyone else instead of yourself. But then the heroes come in the room. It's a really cool part. We call them T and R. The T stands for treatment and the R stands for recovery. And they're really cool. they got capes on. They're like superheroes. The only thing addiction is afraid of is T and R, treatment and recovery. So T and R come in the room, and, and all the little boys and girls start chanting,
2: T and R,
3: T and R, T and R. And they want T and R to just obliterate addiction. and um, It can't happen. Everybody in the room wants the person to get better except the person trapped, the staff member trapped, and that person has to ask for help. And once that person asks for help, um, then treatment and recovery come and surround the person kind of like a, like a safety shield, kind of like a safety zone, and, and addiction runs off, but never too far away, always waiting to see if that person stops hanging out with treatment and recovery, whether that's 12-step meetings or spiritual growth or reading um, the literature, what it could be, if TNR is different for different people. But it's also showing the kids that if a person ever leaves TNR, you know, often addiction comes back and traps that person all over again. And that's what we call relapse. And so relapse has nothing to do with the behavior of boys and girls, but it really has to do whether or not the addicted person stays with their TNR, their program of recovery. So a fun game, high energy, but a lot of feeling. And, and, and I think the visual of being able to separate um, addiction from the person is huge. We had an 11-year-old girl, Anna, one time who, who watched this activity. She'd been pretty quiet. And she said, you know what? You know what I learned from this, that I, finally I see that addiction... Um, turns the people we love into strangers. And, you know, what, what, a, what a beautiful way for um, an awesome young lady to describe it and that addiction changes the way people act. And, and, and separating those two really gives kids a chance to, uh, to have a much better understanding not only of the disease, but also an understanding of what they can change and what they can't change
0: right you write a, a story in your book about uh, a family uh, where the father does relapse and the daughter who had been in your treatment for program there for the children of addiction of families with addiction uh, calls you up as and that's as you explained that's part of your aftercare program is that they have a hotline, I think, or something that they can call you or other right. staff members. And I was uh, impressed at uh, what you told her, what she what she came with. That she, you know, she was upset because her dad was uh, drinking again and whatever. And you helped her think through some strategies about how she could do self care. Share with us how how that is. How can a small because we look at that we think, well, that's impossible. This poor little kid is trapped with this big adult who's using again, and the kid's like helpless. But that's not true. How does how can you help them think through a strategy?
3: I mean, you think about that beautiful, that beautiful prayer, the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So in the children's program... We're helping kids, and here's that strength based again, Anna. We're helping kids see what they can do. And, so, and kids call us all the time. Um, kids email us all the time because they know we're, we're going to be here and we know we're good to our word. And so I remember, it was a long time ago, I remember specifically um, the situation with the girl that was written in the book. And, and, and uh, she just, first of all, needed to talk to someone who understood so she called. And, and the call's an 800 number that boys and girls can call, and then it got patched it right into me. So having someone say to you, hey, I want to remind you, this is not your fault. You didn't make this happen. I bet dad had stopped doing all of his TNR, and right now you can't make him better. So here's some things you can do. Um, can you go to your room right now? Can you, write a, can, you, can you draw a picture? Not show it to anybody, can you draw a picture about what happens, about how you feel? Can you write a note? Can you um, do something with your siblings? I remember that, that that young girl had a younger brother and sister. Can you do something with your siblings? Where is mom right now? Can you tell mom about what's going on? Uh, um, can you go and spend some time at a friend's house? And so, helping kids to see here's some things I can do. I can't change my dad's addiction, and I can't make him stop. He relapsed, uh, and I can't change that, but what can I do? so I'm not just sitting there down in the dumps. What are some good things I can do for me and At the top of the list, Anna was she reached out to someone she trusted, and she called, and mm-hmm. how many boys and girls, how many of the people listening, how many of your listeners and and even people in recovery? As, as recovering alcoholics and addicts, or as family members who grew up with this, never had anybody they could call when they were kids. Never had anybody to reach out to to remember, to remind them, "Hey, this isn't about you. Don't take responsibility for this, and and and, and give your give your parents some space right now because they're, they're they're not in their right mind when when they're in their disease. It's huge, right? There's,
0: even for children that that aren't able to, you know, get to a a treatment program, there are 12-step programs for children, or or maybe at least one, and that's the Alatine program. Could you speak a little bit uh, about what Alatine is and how children can access that?
3: I'll be glad to. Alatine is a 12-step program run under the auspices of Al-Anon family groups, and it's specifically for teenagers who love someone and care about someone, family member or friend, who suffers from alcoholism or other drug addiction. In Alatine, they work with those same 12 steps and 12 traditions in Alcoholics Anonymous or Al-Anon, but it's a mutual self-help group where um, teenagers and sometimes younger kids can actually go and be with others who are going through the same thing. In in every Allatine group, there is a sponsor or two, um, most typically a member of Al-Anon, sometimes a double winner, a member of Al-Anon and Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. And in these programs, children learn how to take care of themselves, how to work those same 12 steps of recovery to lead a healthy and balanced and happy life, even though their loved one, their friend, might continue to, uh, to stay in the throes of addiction. Uh, the exciting thing, Anna, you know, out here where we live, and I know in other parts of the country, there are more and more Alateen meetings that are actually taking place at school, in middle schools and high schools, sometimes during the lunch hour, sometimes right after school. And so those 12-step programs, and again, and, and also if 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 we have a young listener who can't get to an Alateen meeting. Go to their website. If you were just to Google Allatine, Alateen, A-L-A-T-E-E-N, go to their website and and see a lot of incredible literature and and information about recovery and information about hope, uh, uh, how I can you know be able to uh, to live a good life even with what's going on in my family. And the magic in those meetings, Alateen meetings, is very similar. To, to what we see when we're working with a group of boys and girls who are younger in our children's program. And here you bring um, a, a widely diverse group of boys and girls uh, from all different places, all different socioeconomic strata, but the magic, and it's, a, it's spirituality, that the magic that takes place is being in a room with other people who are going through the exact same thing. Who also have felt worried that something terrible was going to happen to their mom, or embarrassed to invite friends over, or angry that things never seem to change. The magic, as as you see in 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 all twelve-step meetings, from 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 my experience anyway, is being in a room with people who've gone through the same thing, mm-hmm. and who not only know the problem but also know solutions. And just powerful. So, so Alatine. Uh, does an incredible job helping young people find a path of healing and recovery.
0: Right. Great. Tell us about children's spirituality. How uh, uh how do you support children in finding a a spirituality that's going to help them?
3: Well, it's it's amazing and again I think this disease even from a family members perspective, this is a disease of isolation of shame, of, of secrecy. And, and uh, I love the affirmation, the meditation that you did just to, to introduce this segment. I don't have to do things alone. I don't have to be by myself. So I think that in building relationship with kids, and, and you know, what's different about our program here, Anna, is, is um, initially it's a four-day program at the center. So we're working with kids over 25 hours over four days is you really build relationship. And, and children begin to build a relationship with each other. And that sense of belonging, that sense of connectedness. And then when you, you, you introduce you know, more of the spiritual aspects, especially higher power or, or God as we understand him, that, that, that boys and girls begin to find that they have a place in the universe and that they belong and that they matter and they count and they don't have to do this by themselves. It's a powerful process. Many boys and girls who come to our program, probably about 40%, still live in families where there's active addiction. Maybe they're brought here by the non-addicted parent or grandparents or they're brought by their parents and it's their older brother or sister who still is active in their disease. And what the kids are able to leave with, what many leave with, is a higher power box or a God box of knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, my higher power can do what I can. And giving those things over and knowing that there are people and places that care about me and that love me and that uh, while I'm always growing and learning, I'm good enough just the way that I am.
0: Right. I'm struck by what you're saying there, uh, which is so true, that, you the higher power is relational. You you can't have a sense of a higher power without having some understanding of of people being expressions of that. Without there being that caring there, and that that it's through relationship that that we find that higher power. And you and that's what you're talking about. That you provide opportunity for children to get that. I think.
3: Yeah, and and, and, and sometimes I complicate it too much. It's it's creating just an environment where kids come first, where they count, where they're treated with dignity and respect, where, where we listen um, with our hearts and, and our souls and, and, and where they get to be kids and, and celebrating all of that and, and coming across that, that common bond and you know, really just living and loving, um, to me, such a, a base for spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's the context in which it grows,
0: right? It that brings to mind how important uh, play is in what you do. It, some people might think, "Well, these children are here; they're in a treatment program. They ought to be like serious and, you know, like doing the work here." Uh, and you inject a whole lot of play in there. Why is that? Oh,
3: it, you know, I am I am smiling. I have an ear to ear grin right now because. You know often I'm asked to travel all around and to evaluate children's programs and and look at them and just sit and and give them some honest constructive feedback. How can you improve this and and, and you're right on target, and that um, the 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 thing that gets the short shrift, the thing that often gets left out, is the play time uh, no this as you said, Anna, this is so serious, and these kids are dealing with all these challenges and and, and yet the the great thing about the children is. If it's safe, they'll be brutally honest. And you know, we can only take so much. We just need to play. And, and, and it's funny because uh, sometimes the, the light bulb moments, those real spiritual moments that take place here, are not when we're in group playing the addiction game or the Wheel of Misfortune or, or other activities that we do. But sometimes it's walking across campus and, and having a child stop me um, and say something to me that it's at those moments where that, 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 that are, are, are so pure. I'll give you an example. There was well, hang on, hang on to girl. that one. It's time
0: for our break, but hang on to it, and we'll come right back. So listeners, stay okay. with us. We'll be right back and hear uh, what a kid had to say to Jerry. We'll be uh-huh. right back.
1: Working at Unity Village is more than just a good job. It's good work. We're a not-for-profit organization that helps people around the globe live more abundant and meaningful lives. Our work environment is unique, in keeping with the heritage of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, visionary founders of the Unity Movement. At the same time, Unity is a 21st century workplace. Job seekers will find plenty of challenges in a wide range of specialties, from information technology to culinary arts, communications to publishing, prayer ministry to retreats and more. Employees are eligible for a variety of perks and benefits, including a campus setting with year round activities and a four day work week in many departments. To see what employment opportunities await you, visit us at unityjobs.org and apply today. <laughs>
2: Warning! After listening to the Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Rev. Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program. And experience the oneness blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Shouse, PhD. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is a Valentine for Children. It's for the love of children, celebrating Children of Alcoholics Week, which always takes place over Valentine's Day. What an appropriate date. This year, it's February the 12th through the 18th. Children of Alcoholics Week is celebrating children's recovery from the family disease, from uh, being uh, in a family where addiction uh, has been active or is active. And my guest is Jerry Moe. Jerry is the Vice President and National Director of Children's Programs at the Betty Ford Center. And he's been an internationally active trainer, author, and lecturer since 1977. And he's certainly an innovator and has been a big part of creating uh, the the trainings and the approach to helping children who grow up in addiction. And so I'm really grateful for Jerry. So, Jerry was telling us, you were telling us uh, right before the break there about uh, playfulness and why that matters so much in the treatment program and in the approach. And you were telling us about an experience you had when you were walking across uh, the campus there, I guess, at the treatment center, and a child approached you. So, what
3: happened? Yeah. Well, and just to recap, I mean, the importance of play. Wouldn't it be great if, if children could be children while they're children? And, you know, if anything these days, even so many of our schools are starting to take away recess time. And, and you know, part of the learning that takes place is when kids play. It's It's that experiential playfulness that really helps them to remember. So we're walking across campus, and we're going to go play hide-and-seek in the dark in the auditorium which is exactly not what the auditorium at the center was created for, but we shut all the drapes and play hide-and-seek in the dark. And and I was walking out, and we've only been here the first day of the program, so we'd only been here about, oh, a couple of hours. And and a young girl stops me, and and we were kind of lagging behind, and she, she just grabbed my shoulder, and I turned around, and she looked at me and said, hey... You know, could you please tell me what's wrong with me? What do I got to do to make my dad love me again? Mm. Mm. You know, she couldn't say it in the group. She wasn't she didn't feel safe enough yet to say that in front of all the other boys and girls. She did later on in the program. But, you know, it, it, but but again, it's just part and parcel, you know, of of those walking across campus or getting ready to go swimming or going out to play capture the flag. That uh that those moments come up and and it's just some uh, just beautiful moments in time where, I mean, that young girl learned that, hey, it's not about me, that I can't make it okay. And even though she teared up, the relief on her face. No one had ever told her that before.
0: Right. I know you've been at this a a long time now, and uh, so many of the children you've worked with in previous years are adults, and uh, they probably find you. It's so easy now to Google people and find them. What kind of responses do you get back when you hear from these now adults?
3: Well, you know, for, for me, the first thing I realize is how old I am. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know when they you're, do that. You're not but, so no.
0: Old. Yeah.
3: No, I know. I know. It's it's all a, a, a frame of mind, anyway. No, I, you know when kids call or when kids email. An email is, is, is probably the what what they do most of all is they say thank you. You know, they say thank you for making this fun, or or they'll tell a story um, of an act. They'll talk about when they played the addiction game or when they drew a picture about how addiction hurt their family, or uh, when they were making a self-care bag. And they bring me right back to that moment. And what I'm left with is not only a sense of, of gratitude, my goodness, but it's, it's a reminder that what we're trying to do is plant seeds. What we're trying to do is to create a moment that children can hold on to as if it is an anchor and so that whatever challenges they face in their family or in their lives when they become adults they can go back and remember that some of these grown-ups will call me and and ask me for advice in college hey i'm thinking about going to graduate school what should i study or it's, it's amazing and so some of those connections are so strong that that it could be years and yet you know they'll send that email and it will be it'll feel like it was almost yesterday
0: Right. How do you uh, see in what they tell you, how is it that the quality of their lives is different today than it would have been if they hadn't been exposed to some treatment and recovery?
3: You know, it's funny, Anna. They'll say a couple of things. They'll talk about how, while they didn't understand it when they were 8 or 9 years old, how coming to the program has helped them you know, through life in a number of ways to, uh, to not do things alone, to always know that there are people and places they can turn to for support, um, that, uh, that they're at risk for addiction. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of is that there have been a number of boys and girls who've come through the program and who have either gotten in touch with me when they were in treatment for their own addiction or when they were in recovery or when a, uh, an important sobriety milestone was coming up. And, and saying, you know what, um, I learned all this when I was a kid, so when I found that I was trapped by addiction, I asked for help, and now I do TNR. So some of that same language is still there. And you think about the quality of life. You think about the, the mom who's 29 years old, and and she's got seven years of sobriety, and now she has kids, and she's able to give her kids some of the gifts that maybe she didn't completely get when she was a kid that's the exciting part of recovery. We can change family legacies.
0: Right. Um, I'm sure uh, I've got listeners right now, and, and obviously there are a lot of people who may be in recovery right now who did grow up in alcoholic families, addicted families, where that disease was active, and they didn't get uh, any help uh, as children. What's the hope for them? They may be in recovery now as family members, as from their own substance addiction um and what can they do to help themselves regarding childhood situations that they may have had?
3: Well, to continue, number one, to just to stay clean and sober. I mean, my hats are off to them. Um, gosh, I work with so many boys and girls, and I can speak from my own experience. I come from a family where there's a lot of people who are in recovery from their own alcoholism and drug addiction and what a difference my relationship is with all of them because they have recovery. I mean that's huge. But secondly, when the time is right, to to you know to continue to peel that onion just a little bit at a time and be able to explore some of what's happened in the past. To work those steps, to work that fourth and fifth step and to do the amend step when the time is right. And you know there the we talked about Nicole, we're almost coming full circle here, but NACOA, the National Association for Children of Alcoholics, has a website. It's www.nacoa.org. And there is a publication, costs about a whopping $5, and it's called A Kit for Parents. So it's actually a a booklet for parents who are in recovery who have kids. And there's also a kit for kids, a little book for kids as well. But when the time is right, continue to work on those issues. Continue to 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 deal with that wreckage from our past and deal with it and put it behind us, but to be gentle on ourselves as we're going through that process.
0: Right. Yeah, that's good advice. Thank you because just because you didn't get it when you were a child, it doesn't mean that you can't address that now. That's really hopeful. Yeah, thank you. Thanks oh,
3: and, for that. You know, Go ahead. You know, and, and myself personally as someone who comes from a family where there's addiction, with, with my kids – I was I was so blessed to be able to give my children so many experiences that you know I just never had as a child, and I'm not blaming anybody, and I'm thrilled that I could do that. I mean, that's that's the joy and that's the promise of recovery, and we can do that. And, and while we continue to work on ourselves, we can you know give our children and and hopefully someday our grandchildren uh, you know uh, just a wonderful legacy, a legacy not of addiction anymore. What a legacy of recovery, healing.
0: Right, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, it's like it breaks that breaks that cycle. I know. It one sure, thing, does. Yeah, you write in your book too, Jerry, about the um, experience of uh, reconciliation, really, between children and parents, as as you have mm-hmm. talked about separating the disease from the person. There's some wonderful experiences that you've had of of parents and children being able to really connect with each other. Tell us one of those stories.
3: Uh, I was working at a different treatment center, and it was a five-day children's program, which was part of a five-day family program, and it was the forgiveness circle. And so um, one of the little boys from a children's program was out in the middle, and the dad said, Would you forgive me for my disease? Would you forgive me for for not spending time with you, would you forgive me for um hurting your mom? And and he said yes, but only if you play with me two times a week, which was which was really funny. But then the grandpa came out with the dad. And the 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 incredible thing Anna was it was almost as if grandpa and dad had written the same list because here's the grandpa saying to the dad, Will you forgive me for my disease and for the way I hurt you and the way I hurt your mom? And you just see the progression of the disease and and you know here's the dad in tears you know in treatment for almost 30 days who says, "Yes, I've been waiting so many years to hear that. Of course I forgive you." And and I thought the process was over and here the dad sits takes his chair back out to the circle and 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 the grandfather in his 70s all of a sudden, puts his head down and and covers it uh, with his hands, his face with his hands, and starts sobbing. And, and after about thirty seconds or so, I said, "Sir, can I, what's going on? Can I help you?" And he, he he looked up and said, "I just forgave my dad. Well, wow. in his seventies, carrying that for so many years. And so there's there's the joy. There's that." Spiritual connection of how we're so similar and, and the joy of being able to put the past behind us and to uh, you know to move forward and to live today you know with hope with hope and with a plan right
0: that's compassion in action. there it is Jerry, okay. our time's just about up what give could you have a, a brief thought that you'd like to leave us with today?
3: I think the most important thought was right out of your um, meditation, Anna. It's, um, I don't have to do this alone. And so for all of your listeners, recovering alcoholics and addicts and family members and those still stuck in their disease, if you're thinking about your kids, your grandkids, reach out to someone who can help you, someone who understands you don't need to do this alone.
0: Jerry, thank you so much. This is the best Valentine's uh, card you could have sent or anybody could receive. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us today, and thanks for the work that you do with kids. We appreciate it.
3: You are welcome. It's been a joy, Anna. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: Great. God bless. And to all my my, my listeners, join us next week. The topic is going to be Reclaim Your Life and we're going to hear from Ron Scott who's uh, written a wonderful book about making life work for you and he's going to talk with us about how to get that close relationship with God. So be blessed and know that you're in my thoughts and prayers. See you next week.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
6: Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God you are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly.
2: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
1: If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr.
5: Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience.